This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. This episode of The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by Bluehost. It is a great hosting company for your blog or website. I use it myself at fatheroderick.com so you can take a look and see if it works for you. If you want to sign up or you just want to have more information, go to sqpn.com bluehost. And by my new book, uh, Geek Priest, Confessions of a New Media Pioneer. You can order that at, um, there's a lot of Star Wars in there, by the way. You can order that at the Amazon store. And before you do that, click on the link on our website before you shop there, and your purchase will help support our show. This is The Secrets of Star Wars, episode number five. It is November the 12th, 2013, and it's time for another episode of The Secrets of Star Wars. And joining me all the way from Boston is Dom Bettinelli. Hi, Dom. Hi, Father. Good to talk to you again. I am, by the way, Father Roderick, and I am podcasting from the Netherlands. So that's, uh, well, not nearly at the other side of the planet, but it is, it is far, far away, which is kind of fitting for a show <laughs> that is about Star Wars. Goodness gracious, Dom, I, last time we recorded, I did not expect that we would have so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that uh, we've suddenly entered this phase of, now we're, we're rolling, this is happening, yes. this is going to happen. Uh, I think the biggest news, which uh, came just after we finished recording our, our previous episode, was, of course, that we now have a definitive release date for the first Star Wars movie. It's still going to be in 2015, so the rumors about uh, it being postponed to 2016 uh, didn't work out. However, it did got delayed because originally uh, the planning was for this movie to premiere in the summertime or in early summertime in May, just like all the other six Star Wars movies. However, the new release date is going to be December 18. Has there been any like explanation uh, for the delay or comment on it uh, from the official Star Wars people? I have I haven't seen anything. Although undoubtedly it has to do with them starting again on the script. Um, they've got a new uh, scriptwriting team. Michael Arndt is out. Lawrence Kasdan is in. J.J. Uh, Abrams is now taking a more of a lead role on it. So undoubtedly that. That, that having to start again kind of move things around. And Christmas is a great time to, to, to launch a movie. I mean, that's a, it's always a big time for movies. You're absolutely right. And uh, we, we always have to remember that um, uh, the, whole th the thing that started this whole summer blockbuster idea was actually Star Wars. That was the first movie to launch at that time. And, and, and then it became a tradition that, at least in the United States, the big movies were launched uh, during the summertime, which, by the way, is very different from this part of the world where – Actually, uh, Christmas is a huge uh, uh, time for, for movies, and people tend to not go to the movies during summertime. It's probably because our vacation is not long enough, and, um, well, at least for the past few years, it's getting better now, but we didn't have any air conditioning in, in, in movie theaters, so it could get very uncomfortable. That has improved quite a bit, but so Christmas feels like a very natural uh, uh, blockbuster season for at least this part of the world. And it will be the at the same time as – or no, it will be a year after the last Hobbit movie. So now we'll have something else to look forward to in the, as far as movies go 
in 2015. Which is absolutely great. And uh, it's unknown, of course, whether they will continue to have this uh, winter release. Uh, they might actually be testing the waters and see how this works out financially. Um, and, but we know for for a fact that every year we will have a new Star Wars movie. It will be uh, either one of the the new trilogy movies or it will be one of those spin-off movies. Uh, those were also planned for summertime. However, I wouldn't be surprised if that also gets bumped to uh, to December or November. Um, I read a very interesting article about this from uh, this was on a business website uh, with a number of of uh, uh, arguments or, or let's say uh, uh, reasons why this actually could profit Disney instead of uh, uh, of harming them because of uh, you know when this was announced the fear was of course that it would hurt people's confidence in in the movies uh, combine that with the rumors about uh, a possible fallout or an almost fallout of the of the writing team um, Disney has, has a huge stake in this they this needs to to work and so um, they they when they announced uh, this new release date they also combined it with a lot of um, let's say very positive um, uh, reflections on, on on the future of Star Wars and they were talking about possible TV series and they were re-emphasizing that we would get these spin-off movies and so they were they were um, they even talked about uh, expanding the theme parks based on Star Wars so all that of course to reassure the the people that invest in Disney that their money will still be well spent but then i read this article uh this was on uh the Orlando Business Journal uh, from uh, Jim Carcidi, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, um, and and he has a number of reasons why this could be very uh, beneficial to Disney. Uh, first reason: haste makes waste. Uh, especially Star Wars fans are are still a bit worried that you know Disney and the fact that Disney now owns Lucasfilm uh, doesn't bode well for the quality of the franchise. And uh, you know, moving this to the winter uh, time and and taking a few more months to finish the movie uh, gives us at least as Star Wars fans the idea. Well, at least they they. Um, they will do their best. They're not gonna. This is not gonna be a rush job. Um, it will also uh, second reason avoid the the crowd for the summer blockbusters. Uh, re- remember that uh, 2015 is also the year that we will see the next a- Avengers movie, and we know how how big the first one was. That's still gonna be a summer release. So um, actually very very wise probably to steer away from that franchise because that's too owned by Disney so you know if it was owned by another company they might actually want to compete with it but certainly not now um, it's also going to be uh, Brad Bird's Tomorrowland um, uh, Jurassic World I think is also going to release The Hunger Games Terminator that's all scheduled to to be in cinemas in 2015 so Having uh, like an open field uh, in December for Star Wars, I think it's very smart. The third reason, um, it can actually um, put put the hype back into hyperspace. I love that subtitle. 
Um, th- this will gives, uh, give Disney and Lucasfilm even more time to hype the movie and to organize another big Star Wars celebration akin to the one uh, before the v- release of The Phantom Menace. Uh, that was in, in April um, in Denver. I remember I was there. It was stone cold. It was it was raining, um, but we were so excited to get some glimpses of uh, of the Phantom Menace, which was only a few months away back then. So now it will give give them even more time to hype up uh, the excitement around uh, Star Wars Seven. And then um, another reason is anticipation pays off. Um, this writer reminds us that in a lot of rock concerts, usually the band will show up late deliberately because they know that if people are waiting, they're going to be much more excited about it. Uh, and then uh, finally, um, it's just it makes Christmas even merrier to have a Star Wars movie. Isn't that the ultimate Christmas gift? Not to mention all the related Christmas gifts. Think of all the merchandising, the toys that people will be buying uh, in conjunction with the movie. Uh, if, if this movie appears in the summertime, some of the hype might already be over. Now they can cash in uh, like, like, like none before, like never before. And Disney has even already announced that this time with the licensing, they will go beyond what any Star Wars movie has done before. So expect to see Star Wars stamped on everything, <laughs> including household appliances. I don't know what bikes. Uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see what, uh, what Disney can come up with. I wonder if George Lucas still has a, like, gets revenue from that. Probably not. Did he give that up? No, I think... I think he still gets a percentage, or he has an interest in it. They never said exactly what the deal was, but I'd be surprised if he if he completely gave up all interest or all. Uh, I mean, maybe even just as a Disney stockholder. But uh, I don't remember what his exact deal was. Because that was a big deal uh, for the for the original trilogy. Is that he made most of his money on the merchandising? So I wonder that, if he gave that up. That was another area where Star Wars sort of uh, set the set the pace. That merchandising was never something big in movies before Star Wars. It was Star Wars that that really created that whole uh, merchandising uh, phenomenon. Well, and and merchandising still is huge around Star Wars. Even so many years after uh, the Star Wars three, it is still. Huge. I, the other day I was in a, in a toy store. I, I'm going back to toy stores now that things are ramping up again because I'm, you know, interested in seeing if there are any, you know, nice collectibles of the previous movies to pick up before they go out of stock. Um, and I have a couple of nephews that are all about Star Wars. Uh, and I was just stunned to see how much Star Wars toys and especially Lego is still apparently selling very well. Unbelievable, and 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 all sorts of uh, uh, games and and miniature figures and stuff that I'd never seen before. So, uh, and that's with the S- Star Wars franchise being, you know, quite on a on a low point right now. So, imagine what happens when this new movie comes out. So that's all going to be December. I think it's it's a, it's a you know it's good news. They will have time to make this truly work, and. Uh, it's still going to be tight uh, in, in terms of post-production for a big um, uh, a, a, a big project like this. But it's it's nothing that that guys like J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy haven't haven't uh, uh, dealt with before. I mean, these are very seasoned 
uh, uh, industry people. So if, if they're confident, I'm confident. This is a special effects heavy movie, but it's you know they've it's become so routine now. It's you know the these movies they just they're turning them out like crazy, even with all these special effects. So I'm oh, yeah. I'm not worried about it at and, all. And the quality of the special effects is is amazing. And and uh, again, this is Disney. They own Marvel. Look at the speed with which they're churning out these Marvel movies. And it's not that they feel rushed at all. I just yesterday I saw Thor, the second Thor movie. Uh, the Dark World, and I was stunned at how good that movie looked. Um, and it's full of special effects, and it, it just looks fantastic. Uh, much better than the first one. It, whereas the production time for that movie has been extremely short compared to, you know, uh, the, the early av uh, Avengers movies. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident. Another reason why I'm confident is that apparently, well, J.J. Abrams and, and Lawrence Kasdan must be at least you know far ahead in in the script writing duties they they must already know uh who they want to hire proof is that casting sessions has have now begun and not just you know these these very secretive uh exclusive casting sessions where they're only hunting for a talent in in the usual uh um, pool of actors and actresses but these are open casting sessions has that surprised you uh, dom that did surprise me a little bit. Uh, it, like the the why Chicago? I mean, that's the one the one that we saw announced was a casting call planned for Chicago. Um, the, the, are they going for something specific? Is there something? Uh, con is there a connection to Chicago for JJ Abrams? One or of the planets. One of the planets is supposed is rumored to be a very windy planet. So I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> But it started in the UK with a number of casting sessions, and actually uh, a few of them have already taken place. Uh, it was pouring rain on some locations, and uh, a lot of people were turned away because just everyone showed up. And and now we get these reports about, yes, indeed, uh, uh, casting sessions in, uh, in Chicago, I think somewhere else in, in the US as well. And in addition to that, you can now also... Uh, apply uh, digitally by just sending uh, a video. Um, so this is this is a worldwide search for what is what seem to be the two lead roles of at least the first movie. But of course, uh, it's probably going to be more than one movie. Well, what it says to me is they're again going back to the original episode four. Where you had all of these unknown ca actors, um, the only one who'd actually been in a movie before, I think, was Harrison Ford, who was in American Graffiti, uh, in a, a relatively minor role. Yeah. But other than that, th everyone was unknown, and I think that's exciting to to think that uh, they're kind of going for that feel. They they want to bring us back to that original Star Wars feel with a with a whole new cast. Yes. And I, I think it's good for the movie industry as well to create new heroes, new new actors, and. They have to start somewhere. It, I mean, it's a big gamble uh, to to get to hire unknowns. However, th again, this is a worldwide search. They are going to see thousands of actors and actresses, so they will be able to pick um, talent that is out there and that nobody knows about. So I think it's it's good, and uh, and in a way, um, especially for the first movie of a new trilogy, I think it will be refreshing to have faces. That you don't know. That's one of the things that I thought was a little bit distracting in in the prequels. Is that all of a sudden we get you know all these well known act. Qui Gon Jinn is like 
I know this dude. <laughs> uh, and and so uh, I think the surprise and and just the, the the having all these fresh faces and unknown actors and actresses, I think it's going to work really really well. It's it's a bit comparable to the Hunger Games. I'm not sure if you've seen that movie. The the first one, the second one's coming out any day now. Yes, um, I have. I really like the fact that most of the actors in the Hunger Games are relatively unknown and and it kind of works. They fit their role. Um I think with these blockbuster series, whether it's Harry Potter or Hunger Games or Star Wars, I think that that's a trend within the industry is that you want to cast these a, a fresh cast that nobody's really seen and 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 start fresh and you're going to create a new feel without any baggage without you know oh I remember this you know uh, Liam Neeson or Ewan McGregor or somebody from something else and I'm having a hard time separating them from that role this is all new and and it create you can start from scratch actually Harry Potter is a very good example um, that those movies too had uh, a similar huge huge casting call an open casting call and that's how they were able to find uh, the the trio you know uh, Ron Hermione and Harry and and all these three kids were completely unknown, but I still think they were perfect for their roles, and they were able to complete the entire saga, which is has almost never seen we've never seen before something like that in in the movie industry. So, yeah, I'm excited. According to uh, this article that I'm reading on Slash Gear, um, there are actually a way more casting calls that are set for and. Um, Here's a list of a few places. Bloomington, Minnesota, St. Louis, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois, Troy, Michigan, Austin, Texas, and Nashville, Tennessee. All that apparently seems to be uh, on, on the schedule of, of these casting agencies. I'm going to have to get my family in Austin, Texas to go down and uh, audition <laughs> for the show, for the movie. Nobody yeah. from Boston or New York, though. You know, they don't want those strong accents. Uh, well, you never know. Galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> the force. <laughs> the force will be with you. Hey, the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are a lot more movies coming up, so you never know. You you still might have your chance. Um, so the, uh, the online casting call is a bit of a surprise because I can just imagine that they will get inundated with tens of thousands of videos that they all need to work through. Especially when you consider that this is only for two roles, right? For two lead roles. And the, 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 the call sheet uh, with the description of the two characters that they're looking for... Um, these descriptions are very specific, um, but already judging from the photos uh, from the UK, uh, a lot of hopefuls don't really care about the description. They just show up even if they're nowhere near what is described uh, for these two roles. Let me let me read you um, the description because this is also very interesting when it comes to, of course, you know, what is the story going to be about? Who are these two characters? So. Um, According to I've, – I've got a scan here of, uh, of, of the casting call. Um, nationwide search for lead roles for a Disney film. Meet and greet with casting directors. Um, so it doesn't even say that this is about Star Wars, but many people have confirmed it is. Seeking young women w- – sorry, seeking young woman to play 17 to 18-year-old. Must be beautiful, smart, and athletic. Open to all 
uh, ethnicity, as ethni- ethnicities, including bi and multiracial, must be over 16. This is very, uh, they're very strict with that. You know, even if you turn 16 two days later, too bad. You have to be 16 when you show up. Uh, so this female character is called Rachel. Now, that doesn't mean that this character, of course, is going to be Rachel in the movie is actually very unlikely that it is, but it's just a kind of a placeholder name. So Rachel was quite young when she lost her parents. With no other family, she was forced to make her way in a tough, dangerous town. Now 17, she has become street smart and strong. She's able to take care of herself using humor and guts to get by. Always a survivor, never a victim, she remains hopeful that she can move away from this harsh existence to a better life. She is always thinking of what she can do to move ahead. What do you think of this uh, description? I wonder how much of these descriptions describe the movie or that just describes how they want the potential actress or actor to 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 act. Hmm. They're trying to get a particular performance out of them, so they give this description. So it doesn't necessarily mean that this is who you know. Th- we've just discovered what the movie's about. And hmm. that, so it might be know, made up. I mean, the, yeah. not necessarily the, the, the dangerous town that they talk about could also be a, a dangerous planet or whatever. Right. Not even, and, not and whether even she even lost her parents in the yeah. eventually in the movie that if she is you know whether the the character will actually be an orphan or not mm-hmm. they're, what they're trying to do is get the 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 auditioning actors to to perform a particular role but however i I do believe this description is very star wars um you know orphan Luke Skywalker was an orphan boy. Uh, lost his parents, as, as far as we knew. I mean, he was living with his uh, aunt and uncle. Um, the, 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 even the, the, you know, being street wise and smart, that wasn't that wasn't the fact for that, that wasn't the case for Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, I was just going to go to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. That's not really street smart and strong. Um, but but it's it's something that we see in in. Um, well, let's say the Clone Wars. Uh, what's the name of that female character in the Clone Wars, the, the animated series? Um, ah, escapes me. Uh, I've only watched the first season, actually, and giving away that I'm not much of an expanded universe guy. Uh, but anyway, we, but we've seen Jedi like and that. And Solo. It, in a way, yeah. yeah, yeah. Street smart, strong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, and humor. That's good. Guts, so courageous humor. Uh, but but this, uh, uh, the second part, would could apply to a Luke Skywalker type role. Um, is always thinking of what she can do to move ahead. So is always looking for a better life. That is totally Luke Skywalker stuck on Tatooine and is like, I want to get out of here. Now, if this character is stuck on a, you know, in a depressing town where where she has to survive uh, on a daily basis, then of course she is dreaming of another life. So to me, this sounds like a prime candidate to become a Jedi later on. It's someone who has that same yearning for adventure, for, you know, get me off this planet, get me out of this town. Um, so if, if this is remotely, you know, connected to the story, I can totally see that, uh, uh, that this is, this is going to be a, another origin story. And the first movie is going to establish how this, uh, this person slowly I don't know, discovers the ways ways of the Force. Uh, 
Perhaps this is even going to be the first female lead of the of a Star Wars movie, where you know where it was Luke before, then Anakin. Maybe this Rachel is going to be the lead. Yes, and if I dare speculate a little bit more, the fact that uh, it's said of this character that she's always a survivor, never a victim. I think what made Luke Skywalker ultimately such a great Jedi is that he um, he was ready to learn. Uh, I, I mean, he 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 knew that his current life wasn't that great, that he himself didn't really have that many qualities. Uh, I mean, he had dreams of becoming a Jedi, but man, did he have to learn a lot over time. And it's only, you know, in, in Return of the Jedi that we see this confident Luke Skywalker where, where he truly has matured into a Jedi. And with th this Rachel character, we're starting off with someone who is already very street wise. Um, could that make make that per uh, that character more more vulnerable to the dark side, to the temptation of, you know, being impatient and, you know, I know how to take care of myself and being, uh, I mean, there are also elements of, of Anakin Skywalker in here. Uh, and then I would say the ideal Anakin Skywalker, not the kind of whiny version that we got in, the, in Star Wars 2. Let's go over to the, the, the second character description. Uh, seeking a young man to play a 19 to 23 years old. So that's a little bit more... Kind of like fluid. Must be handsome, smart, and athletic. Must be over 18. So slightly older male role. Uh, smart and athletic. Yeah, if this is for another Jedi role, then you definitely want to have uh, uh, someone who's able to jump. Uh, his name in the casting call uh, sheet is Thomas. Thomas has grown up without a father's influence. Interesting. Luke Skywalker, anyone? Without the model of being a man, he doesn't have the strongest sense of himself. Or yeah, I'm saying Luke Skywalker. Actually, Anakin Skywalker grew up without a father. So has grown up without a father's influence. Without the model of being a man, he doesn't have the strongest sense of himself. Despite And despite this, he is smart, capable, and shows courage when it is needed. He can appreciate the absurdities in life and understands you can't take life too seriously. Kind of feels like a, a like a, a a more an older Anakin Skywalker who was very smart, grew up without a father, um, combined to, again with a bit of Han Solo in there, you know, or or even Obi Wan Kenobi, young Obi Wan Kenobi. I don't know. Appreciate the absurdities in life. Why would it say absurdities? Hmm. Yeah, that he doesn't take life seriously. That uh, that he's um, the the first character. Rachel seems more serious. Mm -hmm. Um, and in this one, he sounds, you know, I mean, she uses, it says, uses humor and guts to get by, but this one, he sounds a bit more, uh, like a, like a clown, like a Joker character where he just, um, well, just kind of uses, uh, humor all the time is, is it never takes anything but, seriously. But, well, humor is not really mentioned here. It's just that you can't take life too seriously. Yeah. So perhaps he's in a predicament where he knows, well, you know what, uh, anything can happen. Uh, I'm not sure if this, this means that he's just going to laugh about everything. Um, again, what makes, what, what is very interesting in this description is it is, it is someone who grew up with a, well, you know, a hole in his heart. No father. 
So he's not certain about himself. Uh, that could go either way. It could mean, you know, he, he could be a great Jedi because he needs to grow and learn and will seek for this father figure. And, well, we've seen uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi being this father figure or trying to be this fa father figure to, to Anakin um, and later on to Luke, although it would be more grandfatherly. <laughs> um, uh, but we've also seen that same um, dynamic in the prequels between the Emperor and, and Anakin Skywalker, where the Emperor almost becomes a substitute father, um, someone who can fill that hole. And even Luke Skywalker, in a way, was still constantly looking for his father. And there was definitely this, this tension, this temptation that because Darth Vader was his father, he could be swayed. And, and the Emperor used that vulnerability in, in Luke's life to try to, to use Vader to, to bring Luke Skywalker to the dark side. So I think in these, both these characters, there is a potential for greatness, but there is also, I think, a material for, uh, uh, for a fall to the dark side. That's that's what always makes a great character, you know. That yeah. the, the the potential to go to go uh, great good or great evil, and and that it's that tension where the conflict is and where the great story is. You know, the Star Wars has always been about, in, in one sense, relationships with fathers. Anakin not having a father, Anakin seeking a father figure, Luke looking for his father, and J.J. Abrams in most of his material. It's also been about fatherhood and, and seeking father and re better relationship with father. So I'm not surprised to see that this remains a, a primary theme here. Yeah. It, it also reminds me of, a, of an old rumor, and this is from you know summer, early summertime. Uh, and I discarded it as, oh, just, just one of these things that fans make up when there is no real news. And I've seen this in the past so many times. You know, I'm always taking it with huge quantities of salt. But but now that I go back to it, so apparently this was a, a like a, a a very brief description of the of the uh, of the characters in the movies, and apparently. According to the rumors, this was an intercepted plot and character breakdown that was sent out from J.J. Abrams and Bat Robot. Now, I'll just read what was in the original rumor. Storyline? Two 17-year-old twins, a girl and a boy, are trained by their Uncle Luke to be the greatest Jedi in the galaxy. Problems arise when the male twin turns to the dark side. And then the character descriptions? Jaina Solo... So, clearly, daughter of. Female, 17 years old, lead. Jason's twin sister, one of the greatest Jedi in the galaxy, trained by her uncle Luke Skywalker. And then Jason Solo, male, 17 years old, lead. Jaina's twin brother, one of the greatest Jedis in the world. A loner who is constantly, constantly struggling with the idea of what's right and what's wrong. Starts to turn to the dark side. Full of conviction that what he is doing is the right thing will eventually become Darth Sidious. <laughs> now, we, we know, of course, that it's unlikely that they will, because this, this I think, for most, of, for most part, comes straight out of the expanded universe that is already established. And, and we know that that's probably not somewhere where, where they want to go. However, um, Lawrence Kasdan 
said uh, when he was asked that he would not be mining from previously written stories, but he was only speaking for himself. So when they asked J.J. Abrams about it, you know, are, are you going to use established storylines? He actually said no comment. So he didn't deny it. So, you know, that, and, and keep in mind, these guys are on a very tight schedule. They know that they have to deliver a movie by the end of 2015. And so could the temptation have grown over time to, to go back to the already written story? Stories and then just borrow some some elements from it. I don't know. I I, I thought I, you know when I was rereading this rumor, I was like, huh, that does fit the character description. It's a dangerous path to go down for them to if they want to start mining the expanding universe because oh, yes. it creates expectations of well, you know, you you did this but you didn't do that, and now True. there's a conflict in the canon and now all that other stuff. Well, it does create like a separate story uh, timeline. Because it would contradict stuff that is in in the expanded universe, so it's it's. But you know, J.J. Abrams has been there before, <laughs> so it kind of fits his uh, his his uh, situation with Star Star Trek. So we'll see. But anyway, this is all huge, huge speculation. But still interesting. They're going for a male and a female lead role, and that both character descriptions uh, have at least some room for potential fall or, you know, or, or, or greatness. And that's exactly what you want to have. You don't want to know in advance who's going to be the good guy and who's going to be the bad guy. Star Wars is all about fall and redemption, and these new movies certainly are going to be about fall and redemption, and it always also affects the, the lead characters, uh, at least the temptation. So... It would be foolish not to not to use that in these new movies as well. By the way, I was quoting from a very interesting article um, uh, on uh, Slash Film again, uh, which gives an overview of, of all the rumors, both the confirmed rumors and the still unconfirmed rumors and perhaps even bogus rumors uh, about the new Star Wars movies. And I was reading through it and I thought that I, you know, I'd been following the news, but there's actually... Uh, there are there were a number of things in there, confirmed information that made me at least like go whoa! I I totally missed that. So I, I just want to go uh, over the, the, this article very briefly with you, Dom, um, and and just uh, want to mention a few of these things. So um, you've got the obvious stuff that J.J. Um, Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan are writing. What I didn't know was that Lawrence Kasdan had already been hired to also pen the script for the spin-off movies. So, uh he he is also uh involved in that or in those. And um we we think most of the rumors point to what is it Boba Fett and Han Solo to be um you know the the, the and what I didn't know was that um Disney has also confirmed that this will these movies will be origin stories. Because that's an established genre. And the third character that is rumored to be the main character in one of those spin-off movies is Yoda. Ooh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? It, a, an origin story for Yoda. Because we know be... nothing about Yoda. And, and That's right. And isn't Yoda the most iconic alien in Star Wars, I mean, he's he he's even more famous than Chewbacca. 
I won't say this in the presence of a Wookiee, but uh, now that he's not there. <laughs> but Yoda, how cool would that be if we if we would get to see an origin story of Yoda? Because even though we've seen a little bit of his past in in the prequels, they could go actually back way before that. So story wise, I think they've they've they can do anything they want with Yoda. So they're gonna follow the the. The, the sort of the format that they've done with the uh, the Avengers where they have one big movie that brings all the characters together and then individual movies telling individual stories. Yep. Maybe the same characters in between. Yes. And they do want to uh, start or reboot the franchise with a great movie, which is going to be episode seven. And so uh, the the uh, the next movie is uh, is going to be one of those origin stories. And and we don't know exactly um, what will be the first uh, the, the the first character, um, but I think that there is a lot of room for them in terms of storytelling. But we haven't heard anything. We have to stay vigilant though, because this is for 2016, which means they must already be thinking about it. They perhaps are already writing these stories, uh, because you know there's only one year difference between these two franchises and so what they might do is what a magician does is look here look here and in the meantime they're doing all sorts of things behind our backs on, on those spin-off movies but if this is going to be about Han Solo or Boba Fett hmm it's going to be huge as well yeah that raises an interesting question is, is do we, how do we know that these op- these casting call roles are for Star Wars 7 and not for one of these spin-off movies that's something we don't know for uh... sure I I do think that that was more or less confirmed, but I'm not sure. I mean, okay. everybody I was looking seems at the to... at the casting sheet, and it it didn't say anything. Specific. No, no, it's for Star Wars. It doesn't say specifically for this movie, but but maybe it's been confirmed in another place I haven't seen. Well, there have uh, there has been. Uh, um, I think uh, uh, um, I'm not sure if it was a press release, but there was uh, some executive from Disney ex- uh, uh, told people, you know, what they should think of when they were going to audition um, and there were like these five points and it was kind of bland stuff but uh, I see it here it does say for two major roles in Star Wars Episode 7 so yeah. that, that these are roles for the, for 7 I mean it that doesn't make sense otherwise I mean why would they be casting for the the next movie when they don't even have the cast for the first one um, some some more stuff from this article on Slash Film um the uh, crew, uh, we know, of course, of Kazan being hired, but there are way more people already hired. Um, some of them we've already mentioned. Uh, ben Burt, you know, for the for the sound. I mean, he created the language of R2-D2. Uh, impossible to have Star Wars without Ben Burt. Uh, Gary Ritstrom and Matthew Wood. Not sure uh, what their roles was previously um they've also hired uh two production designers um i don't have their names in front of me but that's interesting because normally in a, in a movie you would have just one production designer uh the fact that they have hired two could mean that they are uh, again just rushing they're just working really really hard to get everything in place before shooting because if, if this involves big uh sets and not just green screen stuff then they need to start building very quickly and you know, every Star Wars movie usually has a lot of locations, so you you want to get building and building fast and building a lot. So, um, 
Now this yeah, was Rick, yeah. Go ahead. Rick Carter and Darren Guilford are the two production designers. Okay. Uh, and they've uh, they have a long history with um, Kathleen Kennedy in uh, in various movies, especially things with uh, Steven Spielberg. Oh, that's good to know. That that's another sign that they're playing it safe. They want to get very seasoned uh, production designers. Also, um, costume design is already underway. Uh, if 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 this is a movie that is similar in scope to what Peter Jackson is doing in New Zealand, then you need tons of costumes. It's actually one of the things they did get an Oscar for for the costumes in Phantom Man, as if I'm not mistaken. Um, and there might be other Star Wars movies that have uh, prizes or awards for the for the costumes. So it's big. And again, if you have a lot of extras, just just a ton of work. You can't start early enough. Um, However, I, I have a hard time imagine, uh, imagining them already working on on props and on costumes and sets if the script, at least for the first movie, wasn't ready yet. So they might still be fine-tuning stuff, but the, the story must be there. Uh, there. There must be enough to, to say this is yeah. when it takes place and we're going to be building off of the visual language uh, right. we have already. And uh, so start imagining what ships and blasters and everything else look like 100 years or 50 years or 10 years after uh, episode 3 yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and they must have the locations and uh, a lot of that stuff already thought out. Um, th- this was totally new to me, this next thing. Um, uh, I'm just reading this from the article. Lots has been said about Abrams and Kennedy being faithful to the original films, which is one of the reasons why director of photography Dan Mindel revealed that the movie would be shot on film. The big, big, uh, uh, let's say, technical achievement of The Phantom Menace was that it was one of the first blockbuster movies that was filmed digitally and now that has become the norm um almost all movies are filmed uh on on 4k red cameras and even even you know higher resolution cameras these cameras have seen huge uh advances uh you know in quality not to mention that if you want to do anything 3d then you cannot really do it on film anymore because you need two cameras that are still relatively portable so um the the hobbit movies are currently filmed with red cameras because they're so small and so you can you can create rigs with uh, two cameras on them that don't weigh a ton so they're going back to film that's almost retro <laughs> well interestingly star trek and star trek into darkness were also shot on film by the same director really? of photography i had so. no idea i totally assumed that that was all digital that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, he has yet to work on a, a shoot a movie digitally. It says his most recent film was uh, The Amazing Spider-Man Two. Wow. Well, that 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 actually uh, is reassuring to me because I I was like, no film. That is, who knows how to work with film anymore these days, you know? Uh, but but uh, both Star Trek movies looked fantastic. So, and and of course, film has still. A much higher resolution in any digital format. Even if you're shooting in 4K, you cannot match film. So I think it's also protecting the 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 movies perhaps better than than the prequels. Because if you go back now to how the Phantom Menace was shot, I think a lot of that stuff doesn't really scale any further than what they've done. Even on IMAX, 
you know, you can upscale it a, a bit, but you won't get the same quality as if it were really filmed on IMAX. Which, by the way, is another rumor that is doing the rounds that at least part of the uh, new movies are going to be filmed with IMAX cameras. A bit similar to, you know, the was it the first Batman movie, the the one of the newer trilogy that there were scenes with IMAX in there. I don't remember, but I do remember the. The bad Superman movie recently oh, geez, yeah. was indeed IMAX. Well, I, I'm i not too keen on them, especially because IMAX has a different, uh, um, like, different format. It's, it's Is it more akin to 4 by 3 or anyway? I remember, I, th- I think it was the second uh, Batman movie where, you know, he had this opening shot. And I saw this in IMAX in Amsterdam, and it started with this huge shot, and then it went back to regular dimensions, and all of a sudden you got this more letterbox format. I thought it was very jarring. And I don't know. I just hope that they <laughs> will just... Uh, I mean, yeah, scale it up to IMAX, but why use IMAX cameras? It's just going to slow them down. Um, it is not shot... This is also uh, uh, something that we can deduce from this. It's not going to be shot natively in 3D. So, But they have experience in, in, in post-converting to 3D. Um. So I don't know. Probably, Are there blockbusters today that aren't that aren't shot in 3D? Oh yeah, I thought well, the first Star Wars, a Star Trek movie, the new newer one with J.J. Abrams, was not shot in 3D. Was not released in 3D, and the second one was uh, post converted. So yeah. Oh, post-converted, right. I, yeah. I'm just wondering if that's the trend in Hollywood. Are we are we going to every big movie is going to be 3D, one way, whether it's shot in 3D or post-production 3D, mm, um, the 3D and whether that's even a good hype. thing? Nah, well, the, the hype is a bit over, um, but it still makes a lot of money at the box office because they can charge you more for a 3D movie. So the temptation will always be there to at least do post, post-conversion. Um, and, uh, you know, with a lot of movies that it creates these headache-inducing, really lackluster 3D experiences, which is why people hate 3D so much. Um, but uh, b- I have to say with The Phantom Menace, the post-conversion was fantastic. I saw that one again in, in IMAX in Amsterdam, and it blew me away. I could not believe that this movie was, had, was not filmed originally in 3D. That, that's what, that was how good it was. So it's just a matter of budget, I guess, and time, because it takes time to do the post-conversion. Um, let's, let me move to the second page, because uh, this is a three-page article. Um, so we, we know, of course, that George Lucas also had uh, been writing at least uh, like schematics, like the, the like a, a very broad outline of what the what the story could be about. Now, we know that um, originally that was all out of the window. And um, now that we uh, are in this new situation where Kasdan and Abrams are are penning the script, um, we heard from uh, George Lucas's son that J.J. Uh, Abrams and, and his father were constantly talking about the movies, which actually could could uh, um, could mean that that some of the original ideas that George Lucas had for these new movies, well, they they actually might end up in the movie. I don't know. 
Could also be that J.J. Abrams is just using George Lucas as a reference. You know, he's just got this hotline. He's like, so again, uh, how old are Wookiees? <laughs> is Yoda really the only, or can we show other Yodas in a movie? No, 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 you can't. <laughs> you know? So I'm not sure if he's involved in the details or, you know, just as a uh, a go-to person for all the, 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 the nuts and bolts or whether, you know, it's more substantial. You know, the father of Star Wars, and and I know that J.J. Abrams is a big fan, so I could see him wanting to, to sit down even just to kind of talk about Star Wars and just to, to really, you know, get that sense of what is it that makes Star Wars Star Wars from the guy who created it. And, I mean, J.J. Abrams is independent enough that he's going to make his own movie. Yeah. But I could see where he but, wants to be faithful to a particular vision. Well, and, and I mean, he has a veneration for George Lucas, I suppose. I mean, he was handpicked by, by Lucas himself. So he would have never had the job if George Lucas didn't have confidence in him. So that, to me, indicates that, that um, uh, well, you know what? There, there might actually be some of that, of those storylines. It would be interesting in the next episode to go back to these original story outlines, what we know about them, uh, and, and, and see if, if we, you know, think that some of that stuff might end up in, um, in the new movies. By the way, the, um, we've been talking for quite a bit here. Sometimes I'd like to play some audio. I, um, I'm just browsing here to see if I can find what I... Um there's there is an old interview with Mark Hamill where he actually talks about episode seven. And of course now now that I want to play it, I can't find it anymore. It's so frustrating. Um so if I if I can find it, I uh, oh here it is. Here it is. Um so this is an interview with Mark Hamill back in nineteen eighty-three. I think he had just become a father because you hear a, a kid in the background. But so 1983, <laughs> that is 20 years ago, Mark Hamill already talked about Star Wars 7. So loyal to George and I owe him so much. He at one time said, would you consider playing an Obi-Wan type character handing Excalibur down to the next generation? I said, when that, would that be? And at the time he said, around, all around 2011. Mm. I thought, gee, I, as much as I'd like to have a job lined up at the turn of the century, I was figuring out how old I'd be at that point, and I thought, uh, well, I don't know. Isn't that amazing? So <laughs> this is in 83, and he's like 2011. Oh, my goodness, that is so far away in the future. And now it's for us, it's already the past. <laughs> and that's, that's 30 years, Father. <laughs> oh, 30 years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I didn't want to acknowledge it, but but how cool is that? That back then he was already like talking about Star Wars Seven, and here we are, and he's he's very likely going to be involved in this. And if this whole story idea of of him being you know the uncle to these two new characters and and learn teaching them the ways of the Force, uh, it's just awesome. I love it when a, a a movie or a franchise spans generations like this. It's it's even bigger in a way than what they did with uh, with Harry Potter, which is already quite epic. That that you know seven movies was it seven movies, uh, uh, one franchise, and there's almost in every movie the same actors. Um, this is bigger in a sense that it's it's it spans a generation. You know, my kids will be enjoying new Star Wars movies in the same in the same storyline, like even Star Trek. 
do, doesn't do that because we've 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 moved from one uh, sort of series to another, and it's not the same story. Whereas mm-hmm. we're seeing the extended story continue, and it's and it's great that I'm I'm looking forward to sharing new Star Wars with my kids. Yeah, yeah. How are you kids actually uh, um, experiencing Star Wars? I mean, what do they pick up? What what because these movies are going to be made for them. So you you are like uh, very close to the to the next generation of Star Wars fans. What do they latch on to? Well, right now they're a little young. I haven't shown them uh, Star Wars yet. Mm-hmm. By by 2015, they'll be old enough to, at least the, the the older couple will be old enough to have seen the first few, uh, you know, the, the the movies, the 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 six that have already been made. Um, I, I actually. Um, we we have that lightsaber that uh, that you so graciously uh, <laughs> left with us, and uh, they wanted to understand what is a lightsaber. Oh. So I I got out my DVD and I threw it in the DVD player and played for them the scene where Luke gets the lightsaber from Obi Wan. Oh. So I'm introducing mm-hmm. some of the ideas and mm-hmm. some of the things, and uh, we'll see uh, how soon I can actually uh, get away with uh, showing them Star Wars. Uh, how soon my wife will let me uh, show it to them. Well, and then, of course, you've got more kid-friendly Star Wars uh, stuff that you could show them. I'm, I'm not sure about that new animated series that's coming out, how, you know, what, what the target age is going to be for that. Um, but I know that my nephews have been watching Star Wars way before the actual, you know, allowed age for those movies are, you know, rated at, what is it, 12 years and older? And uh, they were already watching the Star Wars movies when they were six years old, so... Didn't seem to harm them much. It, it's about time. We're getting close to time for them to see it. It's going to be interesting to have this discussion uh, perhaps uh, when the first movie comes out because Star Wars, of course, is, is not just an exciting story. It's also a story that at least George Lucas uh, wanted to uh, use to convey values. Uh, for him, at least initially when he created Star Wars, it was a way for him to uh, to to uh, teach very fundamental moral values to a new generation that is not no longer familiar with, you know, the Bible necessarily or other mythology, and just wanted to create a new mythology to to convey the same, you know, principles about what's right and wrong and friendship and that sort of stuff. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if if uh, this new Star Wars movie or movies will do the same, will have that same uh, dimension to it, which I think which I've always thought makes Star Wars very different from a franchise like Star Trek, where, of course, there are values in Star Trek as well, but it, it seems to be much more kind of in the, along the lines of, of, you know, progress and, and faith in technology and always this, this uh, ideology almost of, well, the future is going to be much better than, than today. Um, like this, this, you know, almost boundless confidence in 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 how humanity will evolve whereas star wars is much more about you know what there is something cyclical uh in in history and and there is going to be betrayal and there's always going to be the temptation there's always going to be this balance of the force you know there's going to be this dark side and the and the the light side and there will always be tension why because that is part of human nature we are flawed, and and there, you know. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's it is a fundamentally a story about good versus evil. I mean, it's it it's it's very blatant. It's not it's not subtle in any way about that. It it is a story of good versus evil, and it's very clear who is good and who is evil, yes. and 
and uh, and I, well, that's one of the great things about it is that it is not uh, wishy-washy about any of these things. Is that it? That that's what made Star Wars so great. It's the good guys beating the bad guys. And well, being and good at it. and also what I think is is so good about Star Wars and what makes it such a a, a treasure throw trove for even for for you know moral education is uh, it shows that evil is the result of bad choices. It is if you succumb to the temptation of the dark side, if you want quick results, and that is what actually will ultimately, even though you think at first that you are in control of the dark side, it will always end up controlling you. And what I love about the extended universe is that it, it, the stories show us that this is not just something uh, that happens in the era of the current Star Wars movies, but this has always been the case, even in you know Star Wars prehistory, when you have the stories of the Old Republic. A lot of the stuff that you see in that in, in in those stories is very similar to what you see in the movies. Again, showing that it's ultimately all about human freedom and and where where lies our allegiance and and so we are free to choose evil even though <laughs> it will damage us and the world so it's going to be very interesting to see how they will bring that you know battle between good and evil back into the storyline knowing of course that um well the emperor has been defeated it doesn't mean that the that the dark side is over far from there far, far from that the, the the force in a way transcends um the uh, the agents of the force even transcends the Jedi I guess so we've been we were very familiar with this idea of well you, you have to have this ongoing traditions almost like the Catholic hierarchy you know <laughs> it's like the apostles and then the bishops and there has to be an unbroken line but I'm not sure if in the in the Jedi universe in the Star Wars universe it has to be like that because you know the force does not depend on 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 humans, I guess, or or aliens, you know, on on, and so this the, I don't think that the dark side is gone at all. Well, let's recall that um, the the appearance of the Sith was a surprise. The Jedi Council thought that the Sith were gone. I mean, that was the impression mm -hmm. I got in the prequels was that they had assumed that that uh, the Sith were destroyed, that there were no more Sith, but it was always there. It's it's lurking in the shadows ready to come back again. Mm -hmm. But then you had this idea of, you know, always two there are, a master and, a, and an apprentice. And this is the case of, for the dark side. It's also true for the light side uh, with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. And then, you know, Luke Skywalker now is the only remaining Jedi. Um, well, and in a way, you have Leia, who's also, uh, you know, carries the Force, or the Force is strong in her too and in their children. So... There might be an ongoing lineage there. I'm not so sure about the dark side. I mean, it's, they're all destroyed, right? The Emperor is destroyed. Darth Vader is dead. Uh, we, I don't think that Darth Vader had apprentices, at least not in the canon story. He did have an apprentice, I think, in, um, was it Dark Forces, the video games? Yes, yeah, I remember so, that. So uh, unless they come up with a story about that, that there is still a, an apprentice. But I, I think it would be much more interesting to see how the dark side returns and it could even be with the return of of the emperor in a way um you know we've we've seen ghost obi-wan kenobi and and he was talking to luke skywalker and still guiding him not not as much as a, as yoda could do but still you know perhaps uh, we get these um, apparitions of of the emperor <laughs> 
the ghost emperor who shows up and uh, influences another young, force-capable, uh, impressionable person to turn to the dark side. It's not unreasonable to assume. Could be very cool. Uh, there will be Wookiees in the movie, according to the rumors. Uh, <laughs> Peter Mayhew actually wants to be back in episode seven, although I wonder how, because he's he's quite old now, and he's not very fit anymore. Doesn't isn't he in a wheelchair, or at least uh, you know he's, he's not he's not walking very easily. I haven't heard that, but it's just one of those one of the many actors that, of course, wants to be back. I think even. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Who else wants to be? Everybody, everybody would like to be back. Um, but uh, there is, um, and again, I don't know when this casting report was leaked. And even, I'm not even sure if this is reliable or not. But apparently there was, uh, for an untitled studio feature by Walt Disney Pictures, Lucasfilm and Bat Robot, they were looking for people fitting the following description, males 7 feet to 7.3 feet tall with a slim, thin build and upright posture, not too worked out or too thick set, especially in the shoulders. Broad facial features would be a bonus. Hmm. That sounds like Wookiees. <laughs> That's someone in a Wookiee suit. <laughs> or a Gungan. But something tells me that that is not going to be the case. <laughs> oh, please, let there not be any Gungans. <laughs> Um, and then there are some uh, in this article a, a number of uh, uh, rumors that are probably not true so oh here it is here's this rumor of Ian McDermott Mc, Mc, I never know how to pronounce it McDermott McDermott will return as the force ghost of Emperor Palpatine <laughs> so a, a rumor said that he was being recruited uh, for a comeback in episode 7 but you know what as a uh, J.J. Abrams loves to put in these Easter eggs, right? Even in Star Trek, he does it all the time. We've had the Tribbles, and there's so much going on in the background. I mean, the little appearance of of, of a ghost emperor, I, I wouldn't mind, personally. It wouldn't upset me. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Even McGregor wants to come back, of course, somehow, or perhaps be involved in the Obi-Wan spinoff. But uh, when he was uh, asked about it on a talk show, he's like, "What? What now? Are they making spin-off movies?" <laughs> he hadn't heard about the about it at all, so uh, I don't think he's he's been approached. Uh, and then there were some rumors about one of the Star Wars spin-offs being like a Seven Samurai inspired movie, but th I think that's just conjecture because you know Star Wars in itself is is very much based on Seven Samurai, so um, just seems like a like something that fans would made up, would make up. So we're, we're approaching the, uh, or actually we're already uh, now uh, talking about this an hour long. Are there any important things that we might want to mention at the end of the, of this episode? Nothing too important, I think. Uh, I think we've covered most of what we've heard in the past week <laughs> since our last episode. Yes. Who knows what the next week will begin, so we'll save something for the next uh, the next episode of Secrets of Star Wars. Definitely. There, there's one uh, interesting article that appeared on Jedi News, jedinews.co.uk, um, and it's an interview with someone who actually went to one of those open casting uh, auditions and describes the process, uh, thereby probably thwarting his chances of being in any <laughs> Star Wars movie at all. But because uh, I assume that a lot of what happens there is uh, is uh, you know they can't disclose it, 
but um but but still pretty cool to to read about you know how how that works and how nervous everyone is um and and so there is talk about a Star Wars television show. Uh, Lucasfilm is in in talks with ABC, or probably the other way around. Um, and, and and of course we know that ABC they have they've got their Marvel uh, Agents of Shield, which is not the biggest success, but it, it well, I mean they're still making money on it. And so having a Star Wars spinoff on TV, yeah, why not? However, apparently everybody uh, has a lot of, on their plate. I wonder what that could be. <laughs> so. Um, and let's see what else. Uh, no, that just said George Lucas is still involved. Sound production. I think we went over that as well. Oh, the one final tidbit. This is something that J.J. Abrams said, which, which I thought was great. J.J. Um, Abrams has admitted that he's looking to cast actors in Star Wars Episode Seven who will inspire him as the film's producer opened online editions. The director appeared on Newsnight and revealed that he was keen to work with British actors, but wanted to cast the net as wide as possible. He told author Neil Gaiman on Friday, it wouldn't be Star Wars if there wasn't some fantastic actors who happen to be British. But I think we're doing our job and looking everywhere for the best possible actors for the roles. Um, and then he added, um, there are things... Uh, nothing is more important than casting a movie great, and I have been incredibly lucky to be involved in projects that we've had wonderful cast and wonderful casting directors to make it happen. The last thing you want to do when you're collaborating on something, this is still J.J. Abrams talking, is work with people where you have to do their job for them and kind of give them notes every way. You want people who inspire you and elevate it. So I like that. It means he trusts his actors. And that is just a reminder. That is, I think, why Empire Strikes Back was such a great movie. Because they had a director that actually listened to the suggestions of the of the lead actors. And, and he has had some great actors uh, in some of his uh, recent movies. Um, and that's, that's what has elevated it to the next level. Absolutely. Well, with that, we've come to the end of this episode of The Secrets of Star Wars. Uh, we hope you enjoy our uh, – continue to enjoy our our bantering about uh, all the uh, all the news that leaked out. Um, I can't guarantee that next week we'll have as much news, but we will certainly be able to fill another hour. I have no doubt about it. So thank you so much for your continued support. Um, I want to do a shout out, actually, since we, we talked about the UK. There is a new um, Star Wars Episode 7 uh, podcast out there from the UK. Um, and it is, uh, let me see, uh, Radio 1138. Love the name. Um, it, it, it covers Star Wars news with a UK focus. Uh, hosts are Mark Newbold and James Burns from Jedi News. Um, it's a great listen, so definitely uh, check it out. Uh, so it's called Radio 1138. Look for that on, on iTunes. And I want to do a general sound out, uh, shout out to um, someone. <laughs> I'm not sure. If, this is probably just a screen name. Skaldron from Roku Depot. Uh, who does a terrific job reviewing Star Wars-related podcasts every week. Um, so if you want to have a very quick overview of what the potosphere is talking about in Star Wars and you don't have time to listen to each and every episode, 
definitely check it out. Uh, it's a weekly review. Um, when we do a show, we're also covered in that review, which is always always fun, of course. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes to uh, those reviews because it's a, it's a huge time saver because it's someone else who does the work for you. And then, you know, oh, I'm going to listen to that episode and to that episode. And I will just skip Secrets of Star Wars this week because what are these guys talking about? What do they know about Star Wars? All right, Dom, it was a pleasure talking with you. Uh, where, where, can pe- where can people find you online? They can follow me on Twitter at BetNet or on Google Plus or on uh, Facebook. Uh, my uh, website is BetNet.com, B-E-T-T-N-E-T.com. And my website is FatherRoderick.com. That's my blog. You can follow me also on Twitter, Father Roderick, and on Facebook. The links will be uh, in the show, note, show notes. And uh, we have a Facebook page for Secrets of Star Wars, and it's very easy to remember, facebook.com slash Star Wars Secrets. And that is where we post a lot of the rumors that we talk about or, or the news that we talk about uh, uh, in the next episode. And if you have something to report, please let us know. Uh, we welcome every Bothan spy out there. <laughs> and we won't kill you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.